Welcome to the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shitama, author, teacher, speaker, and coach. I focus on your spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being to help you be the best leader possible. Each episode explores research and practical tips so you can be a non-anxious presence personally and professionally. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 49 of the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shitama, and this is the first of a two-part series on understanding how we can better self-regulate in anxious situations. I think if you've listened to my podcast, if you've done work in family systems, you understand what it is like to be a non-anxious presence and are likely able to do it in certain situations, but if you're like me, in the most anxiety-producing situations, it's very, very difficult to be a non-anxious presence. So what does it take to regulate our own reactivity? What does it take to be that non-anxious presence? I'm going to use some information I've run across recently in an episode of the podcast Hidden Brain from NPR. And I will put the link to this particular episode in the heat of the moment, how intense emotions transform us. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But this was really, really helpful for me in understanding why it is so difficult for us to be that non-anxious presence in those difficult situations. One of the guests on this episode was psychology professor George Lowenstein from Carnegie Mellon University, and he's done lots of studies on emotional states, and he is the one who has coined this term hot-cold empathy and the hot-cold empathy gap. Now, according to Wikipedia, the hot-cold empathy gap is a cognitive bias in which people underestimate the influences of visceral drives on their own attitudes, preferences, and behavior. So, you know, that visceral feeling, the feeling inside that kind of drives uh, how we behave in certain states. And according to Lowenstein, the hot and cold states refer to different emotional and psychological stakes. In hot states like anger and fear and even joy or a runner's high, our emotions take over. It's hard to be logical and it's hard to act rationally. In cold states such as tranquility or peacefulness or just rationality, when we're sitting there thinking in rational ways, we are more able to think logically. The most important aspect of this idea is that human understanding and human behavior is state dependent. Lowenstein gives the example of the fact that he's a runner and that he would run up hills and at the top of the hill it would be in extreme pain. And yet three days later he would just go out and do it again because at the, the time when he's in that hot state where he's in extreme pain, he doesn't actually remember that when he laces up his shoes to go run again, and by the time he's at the top of the hill again, he is in pain. In the Hidden Brain episode, Lowenstein gives an example of one of his colleagues who acts as a guinea pig in a study, and the task in the study is to put your hand in ice water for a minute. So the colleague puts his hand in the ice water, but can only keep it in there for 20 seconds 
because the pain is so great. And he pulls it out. A minute later, he says, that's ridiculous. I can do that. And he puts his hand in the water again and can only keep it in there for 20 seconds and pulls his hand out again. According to Lowenstein, that is the hot, cold empathy gap. When his hand is in the water, he's in a hot state and the pain is getting too much and he pulls out. And then even just a minute later when he's in a cold state, in a logical state, he says, this is ridiculous. I can do this. He doesn't remember what it's like to be in that hot state. The example that Lowenstein gives here with the cold water and his colleague is an example of a cold to hot empathy gap. So in the cold state, his colleague thinks he can easily put his hand in the cold water and keep it there for a minute. But then he doesn't realize how much the visceral feeling, the pain, makes it too difficult to keep his hand in the water for longer than 20 seconds. And yet, even when he has experienced it once, he goes back to a cold state and he thinks he can do it again. That's that cold to hot empathy gap. Another example in the episode is a woman who was trained all of her life to have safe sex. And yet, there were two instances where she had unprotected sex, and, and she can't really even imagine how that happened. And yet, when you think of the cold to hot empathy gap, it makes a whole lot of sense. In the cold state, you're learning all about what it means to have safe sex. But when you are in a hot state, when you're in a state of arousal, it makes it much more difficult to make that logical, rational decision. I will put a link to the Wikipedia article on hot, cold empathy gap because it goes into much more detail. And I think it's fascinating to understand these differences between our cold states and our hot states. But for the purposes of this podcast, I want to focus on this empathy gap between what we think we're going to do when we're in a cold state, when we're thinking logically and rationally, and then what actually happens when we're in a hot state. And I'm going to make a connection to family systems later in the episode. You might have already made the connection. But I want to go over another study that to me is even more striking. In this Hidden Brain episode, Julie Wudzicka, who is a psychologist and a professor at Washington and Lee University, shares a study that she and Marianne LaFrance did in 2002. I'm, I'm wondering why I'm just hearing about this now, because to, to me, this is just really important stuff. So in this study, they looked at 200 women and how they responded to sexual harassment. What they asked a the woman to do was to read through a job interview scenario. In the scenario, a 30-something man was interviewing a woman. They were alone in an office. He started off with typical job interview questions, but then went off the rails. He asked these three questions. Do you have a boyfriend? Do people find you desirable? Do you think it's important for women to wear a bra to work? The women were then asked to imagine how they would react. The overwhelming sense of participants was that they would feel anger. That's understandable. About 60% said they would confront the man assertively. Further, another 30% said they would either leave the interview or tell him off. Some of these even predicted they would slap him before leaving. In the second part of the study, 
they looked at 50 women who were actually applying for the job of a lab research assistant. So this wasn't just a theoretical, hypothetical interview. It was a real interview. And the interviewer, again, in this case, was a man in his mid-30s. And the interview included the same three questions. So again, regular interview questions, but then the interview went off the rails. And the man asked, do you have a boyfriend? Do people find you desirable? Do you think it's important for women to wear a bra to work? These are not only harassing, they are illegal questions. I was stunned to learn that each of the women, each of the 50 women in this study, answered all three questions. 36% of them did ask politely why the questions were asked, but only after the interview was over. And many women reported feeling afraid in the interview. Very few reported feeling angry. So here we have, in a cold logical state, a cold state, women responded indignantly to harassment, but in a hot state, they felt fear and went along without protest. Now, this is 2002, so perhaps women might feel less fearful in situations like that. They might feel more empowered to get angry and to protest. But in this case, it shows a clear difference between the cold state and the hot state. In the cold state, they know exactly what's right and what to do. But in the hot state, they're afraid and they're unable to stand up for themselves. This is what psychologists call a cold state, hot state, intrapersonal perspective. And that long term means simply that it is the inability to effectively predict your own future behavior when you're in a different state. So when you're in that cold state, you think you're going to do one thing, but when you're in the hot state, you do something entirely different. Here's my takeaway. When we are thinking clearly and logically, we know how we are supposed to respond in anxiety-producing situations. We know what it's like to be a non-anxious presence. However, when we actually get in the situation, it makes it more difficult. So let me just give you a couple examples that I thought of. You can imagine Christmas dinner with your family and you know your father's going to bring up the same old questions about your career. And this time, instead of reacting, instead of arguing, instead of getting defensive, you're going to calmly explain that it's your choice, that you love your dad and you hope he'll support your decision. But it's okay if he doesn't because you are comfortable with what you're doing. The problem is you're in a cold state, so it's easy to imagine being a non-anxious presence. When the moment of truth comes, you get reactive, you get argumentative, you get defensive. You imagined the situation in a cold state, but the actual occurrences bring up all the old anxieties, the old patterns of behavior. So in a hot state, you lose your cool, you're unable to self-regulate, and you relive the same argument you've had for most of your life. I want to note the process, not content aspect of this as well. I mentioned that this is the same argument you've had your whole life. Well, not actually about the career. When you were a preteen, it was music versus sports. In high school, it was which college you wanted to go to. It's always been about every person you've ever dated. And now it's about your career. The content has changed, but the process is the same. Here's another example. You know that at Christmas dinner, your mom is going to pick on your spouse. You tell yourself, 
I'm going to stand up for my spouse in a non-anxious way. You practice your line. Quote, you must really care about my spouse since her or his behavior is so often on your mind. This is a somewhat playful, paradoxical statement that calls your mom out without calling your mom out. You're not arguing and you're not agreeing. But when you're thinking about this, you're in a cold state. It's easy to imagine being a non-anxious presence. But when the moment of truth comes, you know what happens. Your own anxiety puts you in a hot state. You lose your resolve and are unable to differentiate and your spouse is left alone to defend himself or herself. The reason I find this understanding of the hot-cold empathy gap so helpful is that so often we are trying to become a non-anxious presence. We know what our anxiety-producing situations are like and we know how we need to act, but because we are thinking about it in the cold state, we are unable to then carry that into the actual situation, which tends to be a hot state. So what can we do? Just understanding the hot-cold empathy gap helps us to know how it works as well as recognize when we're in either state. And that gives us a chance to function differently in our most anxiety-producing situations. One way that we can bridge the hot-cold empathy gap is through role-playing. We know the patterns of interaction in these anxious situations. We know what to expect, and in each of the previous two scenarios, there were prepared responses in advance. The problem was the cold state, hot state, empathy gap. Role-playing can put you into a hot state so you can better simulate the actual situation. In the Hidden Brain episode, they mention how the military will repeatedly drill stressful situations to get soldiers into hot states to better prepare them for combat. You can role play with a friend, a colleague, a coach, a therapist. And the important part is to try to simulate the situation to the point where you are getting anxious, where you get into a hot state. Then rehearse your response. It will give you a greater chance of success. I mentioned in my book, Anxious Church, Anxious People, that I role play in my head. I got to the point many years ago that whenever I knew I was going to face an anxious situation, I would start going through scenarios in my head, going through the conversation in my head and trying to come up with non-anxious responses. What I realize now is I wasn't just preparing. By doing that role-playing, I was actually getting into an anxious state. I was actually putting myself into a hot state, which better prepared me for the real thing. The holidays can be a wonderful time because we get to spend time with friends and family, but they can also be challenging because of anxiety-producing situations, because patterns of anxiety-laden interactions that happen in our family. So, if you are worried about one of these, you can prepare yourself better. You may have tried to prepare yourself in the past, and maybe this will just help you a little bit more. And in general, understanding this idea of the hot-cold empathy gap will help you in any situation where you are thinking ahead, but you haven't been able to be a non-anxious presence in the moment of truth, whether that's in your family or in a congregation or in an organization. So that's part one of understanding how to deal with this hot-cold empathy gap, how to be better prepare to be a non-anxious presence. 
Next week, we'll focus on another way that we can prepare ourselves. So that's it for this week. Remember, you can sign up for the Non-Anxious Leader Network at the nonanxiousleader.com slash network. It's free, and it's a place where we're sharing what we are learning together about being a non-anxious leader. And also, you can sign up for my blog at the nonanxiousleader.com. Until next week, thanks and goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, there are two things you can do to help others find this podcast. First, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app. And second, leave a review. I appreciate your help. Finally, you can find more resources as well as subscribe to my blog at the nonanxiousleader.com. Now, go be yourself.